Welcome, everybody, to Taco Tuesday. I am not Alex Padilla. I am Anthony Irwin. I'm filling in uh, in, in his host role here for this. Alex Regla is on is on the other side of this thing, though. Alex, how'd you uh, enjoy watching the Lakers beat the New Orleans Zion Williamsons? <laughs> it, it was a fun game. Like, I think in terms of, like, a potential preview, like, of a 1-8 matchup, like, I think that was a really good showcase for the league and for fans to, like, I'm like I'd be pumped for a series between those two teams. Yeah, absolutely. I it's funny a lot of the talk this year has been about ratings and stuff and and having Zion available for, you know, the the finally available for the national games that they had him slated for. It turns out it makes a bit of a difference. <laughs> it, it makes those games a little bit more watchable. Yeah, it turns out he's fun, right? Like yeah, he's <laughs> he's actually really good and he is just really scary. Like the ton, the ton of force he just plays with, and how much strength he has, and like there was one play where he just kind of like jumped over Dwight Howard, yeah, like, like which is insane. Like not a lot of guys can do that. So yeah, just watching him for like a full game because I don't watch watch a ton of Pelicans games like to begin with, but just see him like up close and stuff like that. Yeah, he is amazing. Yeah, it he feels a lot like the Monstars version of Charles Barkley. <laughs> like he's just he's just insanely it, it everything about him is is crazy and he's so wide and still so shifty he had that one play where euro stepped around anthony davis and uh was able to finish around him you know through a little bit of contact too he's just guys that hurt that are his width don't aren't supposed to be able to move like that and then also be able to elevate in the same way that he did over dwight howard who like yeah he's not in his prime anymore but Dwight was just in the dunk contest. He's still got a yeah. few boosts left in his in his uh, system as well. So it was crazy all around. We also have to talk about LeBron James uh, reminding. It felt like one of those games, and I tweeted this while it was going on, that Zion should take a little pride in this. But it really felt like LeBron was like, not yet. You're, you're good. You're going to be really good. But it's still my league. He finishes with 40 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, goes 17 to 27 from the field, five of 11 from three point range, somehow only two free throws given, which is kind of insane given how much time he spent around the, around the rim. But, you know, did you, did you pick up that same vibe from LeBron to Williamson and maybe even the rest of the, the Pelicans team? I did. It definitely felt like a statement from LeBron this game. Like, like I had mentioned, I, I think, he he realizes like this could be a potential matchup, especially with the Grizzlies with their injuries, just kind of suffered with Jaron Jackson Jr. stuff, and the Pelicans have a really easy schedule going down the stretch. So this can definitely be the the team they face in the first round. And I think this was a good statement from LeBron to say like like you said like it's this is my league still. This isn't yours. It's gonna be yours probably one day, but not yet. And I, I, I felt really bad for Drew Holiday. Like, if that's the potential uh, guy they decided to guard LeBron with. Like, five games of that or four games of that, woof. Yeah, like, I was thinking, like, and I'm not sure who on the Pelicans would be the best uh, matchup for LeBron there. Maybe Ingram, but again, just way too small, way mm-hmm. too thin. I think LeBron just kind of proved, like, if we face off in a series, yeah, you got no one who would guard me. Yeah, they they honestly could have used Markeith Morris, who made his debut for the Lakers. Uh, what do you see from from him as as he goes out there? And and it was pretty clear, I thought, that he was just kind of trying to get situated and, and figure things out on the go. I thought he looked good. Like 
in terms of his first game, I think he only had one practice or shit around today. And um, there's a few possessions there where he kind of got lost. He was trying to, he got confused where he was supposed to be on defense and he yeah. let a guy blow past them. But overall, I thought just having someone that size and that strength out there made a difference. And in a game where Kuzma definitely did not play well, I think he was like a negative 20 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Which, minus 19, yeah, that's, that's, minus 19 uh, in a game that the Lakers won by nine. And you know what? I know, I know those could be pretty noisy, but in terms of just watching the game, he did not look comfortable out there. Yeah. Kuzma, like he forced a lot. So again, I think that's one of the benefits of having a guy like Markeith Morris on the team. It's just in those instances where Kuz is having one of those off nights, which he tends to do. I think it's uh, a benefit to have a veteran like Morris. He's just big and he boxes out and he plays hard defense. And I, I kind of liked on offense how he and LeBron had this kind of pick and pop chemistry right away, which uh, has kind of been something this team hasn't had this year. What about yeah. you? What did you think about his uh, his play today? It wasn't just LeBron, which I completely agree that that they had some synergy out there. But also, uh, Markeith Morris had a couple nice slip screens or, or slip mm-hmm. cuts uh, with AD making the pass there as well. I just think he fits in a lot of the ways, both in terms of basketball fit, because the Lakers could use somebody his size who's a willing shooter. He didn't make any uh, tonight, but... Uh, he, you know, it's it's any threes that is, uh, he. But having somebody who's willing to shoot, you know, uh, and understands how to position himself in in situations to be able to get those shots off quickly, and then also from a physicality standpoint, I really think the Lakers are going to benefit from having somebody who is just literally physically capable to stand his ground against some of the bigger yeah. wings. The Lakers don't really have many guys who can do that. And, and I think he's really going to help there for sure. And I think you brought up a good point about his uh, three point shooting. Like he didn't make any today, but he shot them without any hesitation. And I think yeah. that's something a lot of guys on this team kind of struggle with. Like Avery Bradley, when he's open, sometimes he second guesses himself. Even like, well, I guess Danny Green's not one of those guys, but there's just a few times where, a lot of the times the best shot available is that open three or even right. the semi contested three. And I thought I, I was impressed where he just let it fly because he's having career shooting gears this, this year with Detroit. And I was kind of nervous. It was a mirage, but seeing him up close, I mean, he shot like every time he had a little sliver of space, he shot it. So I thought that was encouraging for sure. Yeah. I, I think it's something he can definitely build on the other story of the game. Uh, and I can't believe it's taken us uh, about seven minutes to get here. Alex Caruso just <laughs> <laughs> he had that block on Lonzo, which was one of the ruder blocks somebody Caruso's <laughs> size has has really ever made. Uh, he goes for he was I think yeah a team high plus twenty on the evening. Uh, that was uh, the only person who came close to him was Danny Green. Uh, LeBron's was up there for a bit, but then he was in for like an extra 30 seconds of garbage time. And that brought his plus minus down. But Caruso was a plus 20 in 17 minutes. Rajon Rondo was a minus 17 in his 12. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I, I think we're kind of reaching a point where so usually with analysis and, and the reaction to analysis is... The initial point is made that 
Alex Caruso is better than, than Rajon Rondo. And then you'll reach a point where people don't want to hear about it anymore. It's a dead horse kind of situation. People think, yeah, it's it'll get fixed eventually. And then and then if if that trend continues where Rondo is continuing to get, you know, earlier minutes uh than Alex Caruso, you you extend beyond that that stop beating a dead horse type of response to it and people really start getting angry about it. But I thought you made a good point about the disbursement of Caruso's minutes and what it allows him to do while he's out there. Yeah, I thought in terms I think it's been like at least two or three games that were vocals kind of he's gone to that normal rotation where Rondo comes in early at that second quarter and he plays for most of it or at least towards the middle then LeBron and AD kind of finish up the quarter and Caruso's kind of been joining them in, in those kind of closing quarters of late. And again, that happened tonight with Caruso kind of coming in at the end of the third where Rondo's bench unit kind of was letting it slip away and New Orleans took the lead and stuff like that. And I, I've been encouraged with Caruso at least getting more of the crunch time minutes where he may not get the first, you know, sub in off the bench for Vogel, but he's kind of finishing games up now and, I think in terms of where where he stands in terms of him versus Rondo, I think Rondo's still going to get the first call off the bench. He's still going to get priority. But as long as Vogel's seeing that Cruz is more impactful and he's more useful down the stretch, I think that's somewhat of a good balance because I don't think Rondo is ever going to be completely out of the rotation. Like I know everyone hopes so, and we all want that to happen. I don't think it's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think this is probably the best balance between the two where Rondo does play, but Caruso kind of plays what it matters. Yeah, I I get where you're going there. I guess I'm just mostly curious because I do think there is going to be some diminishing returns given how hard Caruso plays to be successful, right? He's everywhere on defense. Uh the way like he doesn't he's not skilled enough to beat anybody offensively in any other way than just sprint dribbling by them, you know, and changing direction, stopping really quickly and then and then getting around people that way. So like the the things that he has to do to be successful take a lot out of him. So I could kind of see all right, maybe 25 minutes is probably out of the out of the question for Crusoe and then eventually if you start playing him getting up close to that, you know, there's some concern that he would try to pace himself a little bit and then he becomes a a different player. But I, I want to know how close we can get to that before we start seeing those diminishing returns. Do you think, do you agree, A, with the premise, and, and, and how close to 25 would you be willing to go in an ideal in an ideal world? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we haven't seen him in that type of, you know, consistent 20-minute-per-night type player. We don't know, like if after 10 to 15 minutes, if teams just exploit him and some of his weaknesses, like we saw the best version of Caruso tonight because none of his weaknesses kind of came out. He didn't really have to run the pick and roll all that much. Mm -hmm. And then when he did, he had a few turnovers, like which he kind of does sometimes when he has to play pick and roll. And like, he didn't really have to shoot the ball that much. He didn't have to create his own offense. So I, I thought we saw the best version of Caruso tonight. But like you said, if we see him at 25 minutes or in the playoffs, when teams are going to scheme against him and all his weaknesses might actually be more exposed. I do kind of have those concerns also. So I think it's a fair point. Like, like we love Caruso and like, cause he plays hard and all that type of stuff, but he still does have clear flaws. And I just, I also do worry if we kind of 
expose him too much that those things come out a bit more. <laughs> you're 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 rolling with the keep him as a secret weapon approach. I, I honestly hate that quote, by the way, from Vogel. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I but you just really kind of said it. <laughs> I, I know. No, it's true. But I, I that that quote just sounds like I'm going to play him for five minutes when yeah. we need him, and he's going to be like our savior, like in terms of like. <laughs> We're not. We have no energy. He's gonna come in, change the game. We're gonna win. But I think he deserves deserves more than that. I think I just think there has to be a good balance there, and I don't know what yeah. that balance really is yet. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, to to use a baseball analogy here, I think what the Lakers are probably gonna do over the last twenty some odd games or close to thirty games that they have left here, uh, I think they're gonna do that thing that baseball teams do, where they kind of stack their starting pitchers up so that when the playoffs start they have the guys going on the days that they really are going to need them. And yeah. um, I think with, with Caruso and, and with these really important lineups, uh, you know, the, the, the lineup that also comes to mind here is the, the KCP. I think it's Kuzma, uh, Danny Green, uh, LeBron, and AD. Not in that order, obviously. But, uh, but I think those, those lineups that, you, you know, fans would like to see more reps from, I think they are going to get more of those. And you're going to start seeing... Because uh, to this point, Vogel has really relied on the hot hand theory in terms of what decisions he makes down the stretch of the game. I don't know if that theory really holds as much water come postseason time because I do think repetitions do really matter. And I do kind of wonder if he moves a little bit more off that to start getting into more of a rhythm. So given all the other variables that you meet when you get to the postseason, at least rhythmic issues become lessened. And I think to that extent, you're going to see a lot more uh, Alex Caruso, hopefully a lot less uh, Rajon Rondo. Cause like even like on a night like tonight, there's no, there's no reason Rondo should be playing 12 minutes, right? Cause on, on a night where Rondo plays well, Caruso plays eight minutes, right? Or he plays six minutes. And, yeah. and, and you know, on a night where Caruso plays as well as he does, you know, you don't see Avery Bradley out there for, for, for you don't need to see Bradley out there for 22 minutes and, and 0 for 7 from three-point range the way they did. And like I said, Rondo, you could cut his minutes and, and Caruso get, could get closer to that 20-minute range on a night where he has it going. Um, that's kind of the... You know, because Vogel said it the other night when Rondo played really well that, you know, Caruso's minutes fell by the wayside because Rondo was playing so well. well it, that's fine, but but you got that, that door has to swing both ways. And, and I think that's the concern people have given the way that Caruso played last night or tonight. And I think it's a genuine concern. Like, I'm, like you said, I'm not sure we're ever going to hear a, a quote like that in terms of. Rondo having to sit it out while Caruso gets those minutes, right? Like, I don't think it's going to go both ways. So as much as I, you know, I, I, I understand the sentiment you got to ride the hot hand and stuff like that. I do, I do worry that, um, that his rotations haven't been all that set this year because of injuries, because of shuffling of guys, because of just, I don't know, again, just riding the, the hot hand that when the playoffs come, I think the guys do need a sense of a role and, rotation like a guy like kuzma like for instance like he's kind of been up and down all year because i i don't even, i'm not sure what his role really is like even yeah. even now like um Instagram he comes model. as a six man yeah and i think today he looked like a guy who wanted to just put up shots and get points because he thinks that's the type of role he's supposed to be in and 
he has a certain set of minutes he gets a game and he has to put up points to kind of reach some type of average in his head that he thinks he's supposed to get to. So I think in these last 25 games or so, or however games there are left that it'd be great if he can kind of like tie down a good solid rotation of minutes and got, and get Markeith Morris implemented and get these guys familiar with each other. And I hope Caruso, I think we have seen a good trend, though, that Caruso is getting more minutes yeah. besides that Boston game where Rondo kind of played out of his mind. But I, I do hope that this is a trend that continues. That's why I keep looking at the kind of the game flow and seeing when guys come in opposed to, like, the total amount of minutes they play because I think that tells a little more of the story. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. Um, well, let's finish on, on this point here. Uh, over the course of the game... Now, I'm, I'm obviously probably significantly older than you, but even still, this was a little bit before even my time. Uh, but back in the day, one of the matchups that always kind of went in a way that you wouldn't anticipate just because Kareem was such a great player, I mean, arguably top two, if not one, uh, you know, if, depending on the way that you're measuring these things, uh, player of all time. Uh, but Moses Malone gave him a lot of problems just because Malone was this crazy, like his, his center of gravity was like the South Pole. Um, and, and he just was impossible to move and found it really easy to move Kareem. And I watched AD uh, play against Zion and, and I started to get a little bit of that vibe. How, yeah. how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, uh, I, you know, I was thinking because a lot of times defenses, how they kind of face the Lakers, they switch most of the time. And usually, especially this was a big thing in the Boston game where AD gets a smaller, smallish type guy on him. And he has to, the offense kind of depends on him having to score in the post. And if they play the Pelicans and the Pelicans either switch or Zion gets matched up with AD in the post, I'm not sure. Like, like you said, it's kind of a tough matchup for AD because Zion's just a brick wall. Yeah, like, you can't move him. post him up. And if AD's just going to turn around and shoot fadeaway jumpers on him, like, that's a huge win for New Orleans in terms of their defense. And they have another guy like Derek Favors who's very similar in that regard. So, yeah, I can definitely see that where AD does kind of struggle a bit where these kind of, like you said, strong center of gravity where they could just kind of budge. that You can't budge them. So. Yeah, I definitely saw that tonight for sure. Do you, did you have any kind of concerns as you watched tonight's game about like a potential matchup in terms of like because AD, AD has scored a lot of points against this team, mm-hmm. but that was without Zion and even favors I think for that first game. Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, concern I think is a little too strong of a word because mm-hmm. I still think the Lakers probably win that series handily if if that yeah. is the direction that this goes. Um, and it's funny we're talking about AD in 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 a game that he, you know visibly struggled off offensively especially and he finishes the game with 21 points six blocks 14 rebounds three assists and a steal um sure. so like you know th- these things are all relative but yeah i i do think uh in a game like you, you can't have i don't think dwight and ad out there at the same time uh in and hoped to have ad get it going offensively but even with that said i can understand why vogel would want dwight in there just from a physicality standpoint because of favors and williamson just being so aggressive on the other end so i don't really know where that solution comes from other than hoping ad makes jumpers which is not something based on his production this mm-hmm. season that you really want to rely on no for sure and like 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 you said, I, I think the Lakers would not, like obviously beat the Pelicans and stuff like that. I just think it's an interesting matchup in terms of how defenses are going to play the Lakers like 
towards the end of the playoffs and deeper into the playoffs where I, I saw Boston just switch everything with AD and mm-hmm. then he just we had issues with Jalen Brown and I think he's having he had like a shoulder arm thing today too that definitely kind of messed with his game a bit but yeah, have you ever hit your funny bone on a backboard all the time that's all I do <laughs> <laughs> That was wild. Um, yeah, that was insane. So, yeah, I just – it was just something that kind of popped up in my head as I was watching. Just little kind of quirks in the game. Like, oh, that could be interesting in like a seven-game series to see how they defend that and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think – like I said, I don't know if I would use concern as the word there. But mm-hmm. but it's definitely something worth monitoring because I, I do think to a certain extent if you're – like the Houston Rockets – fall into this kind of example too where if you just have a bunch of guys who are kind of tough to move and pj tucker kind of falls into this this category if you just have smaller guys who are tougher to move and they're going to get the benefit of the whistle because they're smaller as well like that makes it for a really tough matchup for davis offensively and you know if if the lakers double down on that weakness and just kind of throw the ball into davis and hope that he takes advantage yes. of the size there like that's where that's where that concern really becomes a, a legitimate concern yeah and i think the games they have lost this season uh, against some of the top teams i think that has been something that they've kind of gone to a little too much mm-hmm. and obviously it helps when lebron is hitting all his jumpers like that i think that just trumps everything if lebron's going to hit 35 to 40 percent of his threes and most of his mid-range jumpers like that solves a lot of the issues but yeah i think the lakers do fall into a trap a lot of times like uh if ad has a smallish type guy on him like smallish like a six seven six eight guy is not that small but in terms of ad it is mm-hmm. uh, they do kind of force feed him a bit and uh jared dudley actually kind of talked about that on the low post that they feel confident that if ad gets a smaller guy on him they're gonna you know uh, expose that. So I do. I, I do think that's something that's just going to be a part of their game plan. I hope AD just down the stretch is able to execute. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like we said, though, fun game tonight. The Lakers win against the Pelicans at home, one eighteen to one hundred nine, uh, and and you know. It's going to be, especially now with the Grizzlies, uh, they have an injury to uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Obviously, Justice Winslow hasn't played for them yet. And Brandon Clark uh, also just got hurt. I think he tweaked his back or something like that. Or, or And uh, so if they if they struggle here a little bit, the Pelicans might just slip into that into that eight spot. Uh, and, and if that does happen... The storylines will be pretty easy to, to be written, and they're already, frankly, being written uh, with this matchup between the Lakers and the Pelicans. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Alex, I'm sure, will be back next week to to, to handle his show with uh, Alex. Uh, in in the Honestly, it's the best-named show on this entire network. <laughs> um, the, the Lakers got their fans their tacos on Taco Tuesday. So so it's, uh, it's, it's good news all around there. Uh, Alex, this was a lot of fun. I, I can't wait to do it again. Man, thank you so much for hopping on and uh, filling in, for sure. I had a lot of fun talking to you. Anytime. All right. Make sure you guys are tuning in for to uh, the rest of the shows across this network uh, as we focus on on post game stuff. As we cover uh, the buyout market, which Chris Haynes reported apparently that the Lakers are going to meet with Dion Waiters. Uh, we already know that they've met with J.R. Smith. Uh, the fact that we didn't hear anything after that doesn't would, would imply that it didn't go very well. Um, so so we'll see what what comes of that. Uh, have a great rest of your evening. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.